Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. I am your host, David Reed, and with me as ever is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello, I'm your host. Well, we're both hosts, yes. I know, but I felt like I was saying, I wasn't saying it in an aggressive, challenging way. Oh, right, okay. It made me. It sounded like I wanted to usurp you as the host. <laughs> well, it's sort I of should have said. Meta narrative to this episode. I think. am also your host. Yes, that is the case. We've done 200 and something episodes, so I thought, why not start by arguing? <laughs> That's it, that never happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You arsehole. <laughs> oh, no, you arsehole. Oh! <laughs> And we're going to talk oh, about films like for a this. bit. No, it's not. It's a new direction for it all. Um, we're going to talk about some films uh, for you. Some in the cinemas, some on streaming services. Um, that's basically what we do here. Um, has, it been a, has it been a good week, Marek? Has it been a good week? What, in terms of life? or In, in terms, terms of, of life. I mean, the backdrop to watching films. I know, don't, I don't, I versus can't, life. I can't really talk about... The uh, I, I don't want to talk about the news because it's too depressing. It is. It, it's and getting to that point of sort of, in a tiny way, just in the background of everything, overwhelming me. Yes. You know what I mean? And my life is also quite depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw I saw a news article that we might be heading towards a mini ice age as well, so that would be extra good news, wouldn't well, it? Well, the summer's been appalling. Yeah. But stay with us in this beacon of positivity and escapism as we talk about Independence Day Resurgence I have seen trailers for this yeah what did you think well initially my first thoughts is that I'm surprised that you chose to see this well I can reassure you that I did not what you were forced I was forced to my friends were going to the cinema yesterday I hadn't seen enough films uh, to discuss films uh, for today, mm-hmm. so I thought, perfect opportunity. But there were two of them, so I was outnumbered, and they'd already picked Who to go Who are these see. friends? Well, I don't, I don't want, you know, my private life to really bleed over into this podcast particularly. Okay. But um, th- they were friends of the show, Martin Kavanagh and oh, I... uh, Andrew Pugsley, singer of The Showstoppers. Oh, I know Martin Cummins. He's a very nice man. He is a very nice man, yeah. We support the same American football team and the same baseball team. Really? Yeah. 
Wow, and yet you're still not together. What's that about? Yes, well, I might, might give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, Independence Day, res- colon, resurgence. No, that sounds wrong. Colon resurgence sounds bad. That, that, I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, colon resurgence. That oh. would be a brilliant. No. <laughs> oh, the surgence of a colon's worse than oh. colon resurgence. Yeah. Um, is um, what basically everything's about 1996 now. Apparently, the two, uh, the most commercially successful film of 1996 was Independence Day, and the most sort of artistic. It's 20 years since Independence yeah. Day. Yeah, it's 20 years. Holy shit! I know. Um, the most probably the most iconic British film in 1996 is Train Spotting, and a sequel to that's coming back as well. Train Spotting seems old of an Independence Day. Same year in my head. Same year. Very odd. Yeah. So Independence Day, a big sort of explosive epic, famous for the shot of the White House being destroyed by alien lasers, and this is set 20 years to the day since the events of Independence Day when. Lo and behold, the aliens come back, and so we were recording this before July the fourth. Yeah, so this is a could still happen. happen. Although in the film, they've already combined alien technology with our own, so they've they've got like proper hovering helicopters and alien weaponry and a moon laser, uh, stuff like that. Moon laser. Moon laser. Yeah, it starts with a moon laser scene. That's a good name for a penis, isn't it? Moon laser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Do you have a name for your penis? No, I don't. Well, I think I might choose now. Moon Laser. Moon Laser. That's good. Um, <laughs> moon Laser and Colon Resurgence. Um, so, this film, it's got Jeff Brid- uh, What's his name? Goblin. Jeff Goblin back in it. And um, Judd Hirsch playing his, his father, the guy from Taxi. And Will Smith is not in it. He asked for too much money and they said no. And then President Bill Pullman is also back. Mm-hmm. How can he still be president? He's not he's president. Not president. Okay. He's now ex-president who is suffering from a mental condition from being exposed to the psychic hive mind of the aliens in uh, Independence Day. Oh. Uh, also, Brent Spiner is back in it playing his crazy, uh, slightly hippie-ish um, scientist in Area 51. And he is in it a lot. When he's a small character in Independence Day, it's mostly Brent Spiner, this film. Brent Spiner? He plays Commander Data in Star Trek The Next Generation as well. Oh, okay. That's where he was famous from. Uh, so anyway, the aliens come back, etc. This film, if you... You talked briefly about, when we talked about the do-over, about yes. those lines of dialogue where people tell each other things that they ostensibly already know. Yes. You know, it's just like... Marek, my friend, who comes here every week to record yeah. your Fandango, you'll never guess what happened to me here in my flat where I live. The entire film is lines like that. Wow. The entire film is expositional dialogue, but not only expositional, specifically characters telling each other things about each other they already know. This film is total dog shit. The whole film? The entire film is inexorable shite. Yeah, it is so pointless and boring and there are too many characters and every line of dialogue is expositional is and it, it long makes as well, no sense it's two hours long it doesn't need to be um yeah there's all the characters are boring um <laughs> there's a character who is at least 
potentially interesting but doesn't become interesting who is an African warlord who carries two machetes around and has a ta- tattoos of uh, tally marks up one arm of all of the aliens he's killed I was going to say I bet he's good um, at killing aliens yeah and he knows how to kill them hand to hand you see that's his thing how do you kill them um, hand to hand uh, you have to get behind them and stab them in the weak point in their back how do you get behind an alien um, you go oh look at that over there he doesn't do that to an alien. <laughs> he <it>, does doesn't <laughs> He's a big, fat guy, and he slides under the alien's legs. What did he do? Did he grease his back, then? I think he must have a really greasy back. So you have to grease your back? You got. You have to have, like, um, uh, an old Ribena carton full of, uh, full of olive oil, like yeah. gaffer tape to the back of your head, yeah. so it's constantly just dripping grease down your back, all so you just make, in case, because you never know when the aliens are going to come. You make some small fork marks in it. Yeah, yeah, or a skewer, you know, like a meat skewer. That'd be quite a lot, though, it's a small fork. Yeah, and yeah. Then how would you turn it on, is there things you can turn it on? So oh, you just have comes? to keep refilling it at the top. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, okay, so he is an African warlord, even though at the beginning they state that after the events of 1996, all humanity bandied together in peace um, and put their petty differences aside. But he's still a warlord somehow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's a tiny niggle compared to the rest of this film. I mean, it's nonsense. Um, yeah, it's, it's you've seen this film before a thousand times and this isn't a good version of it. What did Martin Kavanagh think of it? Uh, we all thought the same. It was terrible. Like the, there's, there's dialogue where we openly laughed at the film. You know, for being terribly written. It was written by about six or eight guys as well. Mm-hmm. And this, <laughs> when the writing credit came up at the end, it was written by a whole page of names. We were like, what? It felt like it was written by one guy late at night. And who, uh, were there, was it not people in the cinema then or not? No, there were about six people in the cinema. Blimey. Yeah, yeah. And that was in, we went to the uh, Picture House Pitch House East, is it called? The one in Stratford. Oh, okay. In the now almost deserted shopping mall next to the Westfield. Oh, Because it's okay. the little one in Stratford that, next to the massive Westfield development. So, But it's a fiver to see a film, that's if you remember. Good. Yeah, that's good. Um, which is good. Oh, on Mondays. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was the best thing about it, actually. It only cost £5. But no, man. This it was not worth £5. Judd Hirsch's character, who comes back from the 1996 film playing Jeff Goldblum's dad, the all he does in this film is go on a road trip collecting a series of uh, orphaned children in a bus. That sounds a bit dodgy. <laughs> then drives them into mortal danger. That's all he contributes Isn't to the film. Isn't that sort of modern-day Oliver Twist? <laughs> It's a bit what it's all faking, yeah. Figure. yeah, yeah, collecting these wayward children and then drives them directly towards where the battle for Earth is happening. Why does he do that? It doesn't really make any sense. Sat nav. He says, Oh, the safest place to be is with my David, which is is uh, Goldblum's character, who is a scientist working for the military. So it makes no sense. And all, are all the children crying already because they've lost all their families? They, are they just, yeah, yeah. Or are they, are they crying just for about half an hour then perfectly normal again? They're sort of normal and sort of wisecracking by the end even though the, the families are all really, dead. I find the transition of grief in films is... It's amazing, isn't it? Half an hour. If we've ticked the grief box, then yeah. we can move on. Yeah. And my favourite one is actually uh, Deep Blue Sea 
which clearly had rewrites towards the end because test audiences didn't like Saffron Burrows but did like LL Cool J. So um, LL Cool J and the lead entirely boring white man. He gets it eaten, um, LL Cool J, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. It's Saffron Burrows gets uh, eaten uh, in the last scene. Spoilers. Um, and then LL Cool J and the main guy are just sitting sort of laughing and joking because they've survived. Just like, the, the woman you were supposed to really like got eaten seconds ago. Yeah. Seconds ago. Uh, yeah. It, it's amazing, that film. Uh, it's better than this, though. No, and it's the most blatant setting up of a sequel I've ever oh, seen. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, basically, Brent what Spiner... What's the box office of, it, of this? I'm, I'm going to look at I it now. I think it's been a failure because it cost $200 million to make. Yeah, 160, well, 165 estimated $165 million. Opening weekend, $41 million. But That's a failure then, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's a... So you might not failure. see the... Uh, it's original title as well, this. It's working title was Independence Day Forever Part 1. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it doesn't actually even finish at all? Well, it does. Uh, I could, Do you want spoilers? Guys, no, spoilers. No, you can't, you can't really? give spoilers. No, okay, fine. I mean, nothing happens you weren't expecting already. So don't go and see it. Absolutely not, no. 5.7 on IMDb, Metascore, 32. I'm going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes as well. Yeah. If you hang on for a second, because I mean, you could do this yourselves at home, but you're probably so engrossed in this podcast, and you think, oh, "I want to listen to this to get away from my computer screen." Yeah. Famously, thirty-three percent. Thirty-three percent. Yeah. Well, I give it two Davids. I think. Um, two. That's two, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad film. Um, famously, Susan Sarandon was offered the role of the President of the United States. And what, in real life? Yeah, that's right. She'd be good, I think. Yeah, she would. No, in this film, and uh, President Ward, mm-hmm. and uh, she turned it down on the grounds that she <laughs> read the script and was like, I don't know what's going on. What What even is this? <laughs> she goes, I couldn't. I just couldn't. I had no idea what was happening. But I think you could, it doesn't matter anymore yeah. what you do. I, I, in the past, I've turned a couple things down because we were so bad. Yeah. Then seeing people more famous than me actually doing the things, thinking, oh, right, I should have done. Well, Will Smith wanted £50 million, uh, to do wow. two films. To do two. So 25 a piece. Um, this film cost 200 So uh, it would have been £25 million of the 200 budget going to Will Smith. And they said, no. So there's a there's a guy in it playing his son. And Will Smith is dead already. Um Randy Quaid is, uh, is not honoured particularly in this film. Even his character sacrificed himself, didn't he, to yeah. save, save humanity? But, um, uh, but you know, Pullman's good. He's really good in this. Actually, he's he's quality. And Goldblum is always watchable. Judd Hirsch is very charismatic. You know, it's got the the other Hemsworth, not Thor, the other one. Oh right, Liam Hemsworth playing a fighter pilot. You know, he's so fine. He's handsome. But not as handsome as Chris Hemsworth. Well, uh, I don't think so. But, <laughs> but who am I to judge? Um, yeah, no, it's just it's just pointless, isn't it? It's rubbish. Well, that was uplifting. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, do you know what? What? Is it time for this? Well, 
Some people don't like writing letters. <laughs> Most people don't like writing letters. Yeah, we're a bit dry on the letters front, guys. So if you'd like to write to us with any film recommendations or conversation topics, then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and fill in the form from there. Because uh, we're running low. We're running low in the old letters tank. Here we go. This is from Fran Jolly, a regular writer in era. Kung Fu Elliot is a subject. <laughs> Kung Fu Elliot. Okay. Here we go. Hello again. You haven't been enjoying my Netflix movie recently. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've been enjoying Netflix films. I don't know. Have you tried Kung Fu Elliot? It is a documentary about Canada's answer to Jackie Chan if Jackie Chan was a massive wally without any martial arts skills. Elliot, with the aid of his older, angrier, naive girlfriend, make low-rent action movies with local actors. This sounds great. It does. This documentary follows then the making of his latest movie and strange, The Strange World of Elliot. It's certainly an enjoyable romp for anybody who's in low-budget movies and fans of American Movie. One of the greatest films of all time, American Movie. You must watch that. So this sounds great really. But many have their doubts over how factual the whole event is, like the original Catfish Doc. Love to know what you guys think. Stay in there, Mac. I for one enjoy watching your YouTube... <laughs> oh, it's basically your response to me moaning about my career. Stay in there, Mac. I for one enjoy watching your YouTube channel and hope that Vultable will one day make you rich, corrupt old man, like Seth Butter. Keep on watching the movies, Fran Jolly. Thanks, Fran. I mean, it's all kicking off outside, isn't it, with the sirens today? Yeah, I mean... it. But he's kicking off across Britain. It's keep watching the films, Fran. That's all right. He was paraphrasing. He was making it his own. I um, I love. It. I think I might watch American movies to cheer me up. That sounds great. Why not watch uh, Kung Fu Elliot? Yeah, you're right. Actually, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll do that. That's probably. I'll, I'll try that. Yeah. Um, talking of recommendations. Yes. We've had a lot of people. I know. Um, Short film Sunday. Some other people recommended. Um, an old classic, which I got around to watching, one uh, supposedly one of the greatest British films, A Matter of Life and Death. Okay, when's I'll this tell from? You about this. this is from 1946. It is a sort of um, romantic fantasy, quite surreal, strange film. It's by there's a t- Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger, who were a writer, director, producer duo who worked together on a series of films throughout the sort of 40s and uh, 50s and were quite famous for uh, uh, a lot of films. <laughs> okay. okay. That's a good, that's a good part um, of history. They, they, they used to write it, I think uh, like Pressburger would write it, then Powell would always direct it and Pressburger would produce it. Uh, other ones they've done, like the 49th Parallel, The Life of Death of Colonel Blimp, Oh, that's a brilliant film. Um, Matter of Life and Death, Black Narcissus, The Red Shoes and The Tales of Hoffman. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're the big sort of 1940s and 50s duo. Have you seen Colonel Blimp? No, but I've heard you talk about oh, it before. it's wonderful. But, um, uh, so, so, I mean, this film is, it's got, for a start, it's got David Niven in it, and I'm a huge fan of David Niven. The quintessential Englishman, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's the person, I think, that... Most Americans think that, <laughs> yeah. that all British people are alike. It was it was Niven, and then in the sixties, uh, that sort of era, it, it became Michael Caine, who is sort of just a slightly rougher around the ages version of Niven. Isn't yeah, he? 
And Niven's got the, you know, he, went, he fought in the war, didn't he? He's got the whole yeah. sort of... Uh, there's something really assuring about David Niven. He just feels so English. And you've makes mm. you feel... Uh, Makes me feel oddly at home and the world's sort of better place with people, sort of well mannered, nice, sort of presentable, charming men. He's, he's got a very, I wouldn't say he's, you couldn't, you couldn't call him especially handsome or he, but no, I, but he's got such a really great face. I've always, uh, he's got that charm that of people, I'm quite interested to ask our listeners. What people have got that charm and charisma. I think there's many um, film stars have it these days. My mum said she can't tell the difference between people because they all seem to look the same in cinema. People well, they've, they've gone towards sort of underwear models, really, yeah. in terms of looks. Just like absolutely classic uh, Caucasian men with incredible hair and uh, sort of athletes' bodies. Yeah. It's just like, well, these guys aren't. Very interesting look. Well, my everyone these days, they look all the same in the cinema. Yeah. Which is, you know, one of the many reasons why I'm not getting any work. <laughs> but anyway, so David Niven, um, the story is, I'll get to it, it is 1940, right at the end of the war, uh, David Niven is in his plane flying back over the channel after doing his, doing his bombing raid. It's this one. Is yeah. it the one with uh, him talking to the operator? Yes, lady? yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yes, I know what we're talking about Yeah. Now. And his plane is about to go down and he's about to die. His co-pilot's already dead lying in his plane with him. And he's spending his last moments talking to the American lady who's based in the UK now on, on the uh, coast somewhere who's operating the radios and having a last discussion and he happens to uh, it's really really foggy and he falls in love with her over this conversation I mean that's what happens in the 1940s you would have to fall in love very very quickly well because you might be dead tomorrow yeah so you've got to really go for it yeah yeah a lot less picky but um, (laughs) so he falls in love and there's a and basically there's a, a mistake because Heaven is is this version of um, it's all in black black and white. They show heaven and it, and they monitor the amount of people who come into heaven. And someone goes missing where his body was lost in the fog. So the angels forget to bring him up, and it is David Niven. I so, didn't I didn't know this film had a sort of fantasy. It's uh, totally fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a wonderful life kind of vibe to it. Exactly, and it feels re- it's really different and re- quite refreshing. It, it feels bit like being John Malkovich surreal okay but in the 1940s but with a sort of more British Englishy yeah, yeah. Uh, quaint uh, feel to it so the plot is very uh, fantastical so David Niven goes missing and he meets this American lady in real life and they fall in love and then the angels have to go back and say look you are, there's a mistake you're supposed to be dead and David Niven decides to that he is going to argue that he has a right to life because of their mistake and that he's fallen in, in love and it wouldn't have happened yeah. unless it was their mistake. Okay. So, it's like nothing... Yeah, It's a it's really original film and it's thoroughly refreshing to watch uh, an original film. And it's shot at the time... I mean, it's obviously dated hugely now because it's like 70 years ago. Mm. It came out in 1946. But you can tell they 
try to do some different cinematic effects with it shooting heaven in black and white and it's got this escalator going up to heaven which is a big set piece is that where that comes from as well the I escalator think, to heaven I don't thing. know if it came from that but uh, yeah. it was a huge part of the set um, it it just feels totally from a different age I think and it feels very innocent I don't know if I really really I think some people really loved it I think you will really like this film I think in terms of it's you know quite pre- it's precisely written it's yeah. interesting uh, it didn't totally capture me all the way through but you know it's in it's in the British Film Institute has placed it number 20 in the best 100 British films of all time what so up? you should really what's in their top 10 have you got that I've there? got the full list here I mean a lot of them the top 10 is The Third Man yeah Brief Encounter. Okay. This is number two, number three, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. The Thirty Nine Steps, number four. Yeah. A, I mean, David Lean's got great expectation. David Lean's got a great expectation to number five. David Lean's got three in the top five. Yeah, yeah. Kind Hearts and Coralettes, number six. Sure. Kez, seven. Yeah. Nine. Um, so eight. Don't look now. Yeah. Nine. The Red Shoes, which is another Powell and Pressburger film I haven't seen. Yeah. Ten. Train Spotting. Uh, you can look this up online. A lot of them are films from the sixties and seventies. I mean, Train Spotting is really the only modern one to get in there, and The Long Good Friday is at number twenty-one. Great film. So, uh, if you like a good British black and white film, unlike anything else, I think is a is a good choice for a Sunday afternoon film. Great. Um, I give it seven marks. I think a lot of people would give it higher than that. I think the IMDb's rating from like eight and Rotten Tomatoes is something along the lines of ninety-five. So yes, go and check out that film if you want. I bought it on iTunes for about two pound fifty. What's it called again? A Matter of Life and Death. A Matter of In life America, and death. it was originally called Stairway to Heaven. Even though it's an escalator. Yes, of course. I mean, that's confusing. Um, well, that's it for this week. Uh, once again, if you'd like to write to us, then please go to filmfandango.co.uk and there is a box you can fill in there. Um, or if you'd like to send us a file or a virus or something, then you can email us at dearfilmfandango.gmail.com. Oh, why would people want to do that? Oh, I don't know, they might want to, you know. I don't know why people send viruses at all, but there must be some sort of kick out of it. Old people wouldn't do it, would they? Old people? Old people, yeah. It's mostly old people writing computer viruses. I thought you said old people wouldn't do it. No, no, no. No, no. Or people wouldn't do it. Oh, okay. Because I, I doubt old people do it. <laughs> you don't think hackers are mostly old people in homes using the free Wi-Fi? Well, maybe they do are. Do people's homes have free Wi-Fi? That is a very, very good question. Because it would be easy enough for them to have, but do they have it? It would be a really good way of being a hacker if you have got... Have they got free Wi-Fi? Someone needs to find this out. They do. If you work in an old people's home or know someone who lives in one or works in one, can you find out if they have well, free well, Wi-Fi? Are, are you an old person? Yeah, if you're an old person listening to this on your free Wi-Fi, then can you let us know? Uh, go to filmfandango.co.uk. Also, we do all of this for free. So if you'd like to keep Film Fandango going for the foreseeable future, then please go to our website and click the donate button. And to everyone who has already, thank you very much. And if you are an old person... And you are in this old people's home. And all... Everyone you know or, or close to has died. And you, but you still have 
substantial assets. <laughs> Why not? And you, and the only comfort you get is listening to this podcast. I mean, this is a long shot, man. This... <laughs> you could really do something great with that money. Yeah. Or forget about it. <laughs> you could donate it to Fel Fandango, couldn't you? Yeah. Using your PayPal account that you clearly have as an old person. <laughs> we just need one old millionaire, David. Yeah. And things could be okay again. Yeah, okay. One old millionaire. One, so one old millionaire. You can get... My name's Matt Larwood and uh, and it's David Reed. Hello. Don't make out the world to film Fandango because it'll be very difficult. It doesn't exist as a corporate entity, so, yeah. so legally it doesn't exist. So that's what you have to do. I realise this um, podcast has now become one person. <laughs> one person. <laughs> specific podcast. Begging the nearly dead for their cash. But yes. that's fine, isn't it? You know, every now and again. Variety is the spice of life. People have done worse things, David. <laughs> that's right, they really have. It's not like we're trying to seduce the old into, you know, people have done that. We should, should we do? You look like you're really visualising hard then. What were you doing? I was visualising what I would do. <laughs> to seduce the old. All right, well, you continue doing it. We'll keep the image on. Um, and let that be the lasting image in your heads of this podcast. Marek seducing the elderly. We'll be back next week. Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.